0: To the African-American community speaking out against social injustice and systemic racism, we hear your voices, and we're right here with you. Keep speaking out. Keep fighting the good fight. Keep making a difference in your community. We stand with the black community. We stand with the protesters. Black lives matter. It's as simple as that. Black lives matter. No one should have to live in fear of everyday life. If you would like more information and find out ways that you can help, you can go to blacklivesmatters.carrd.co. That's blacklivesmatters.carrd.co. This has been a message from the Toonami Faithful Crew. Thank you for listening. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Toonami Faithful Podcast. I am your host, Sketch. This podcast includes a discussion on Gundam, the origin, advent of the Red Comet, and an interview with Robbie Damon. But I wanted to start things off with some Toonami schedule updates. As you hopefully already know by now, uh, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Golden Wind had to take a dubbing hiatus. And that has caused some delays, and they had to take the show off the block for a little bit. And because of that, they've subbed in Ballmasters, which is a great, great comedy action show from the creator of Super Jail, Christy Caracas. I hope I pronounced that right. It is just chock full of anime references as far as the eye can see. And beyond that, it's a really entertaining show. So, I hope you give it a chance. Maybe it's not your cup of tea, but give it a chance. You might care for it. Along with that, uh, the continuing delays for My Hero Academia have stacked up once again. Unfortunately, rerunning the past three episodes didn't buy Funimation quite enough time to finish dubbing episode 87, so that won't be airing on Toonami this Saturday so in light of that toonami has decided to ask the viewers which episode they wanted to see so they went on to facebook and they asked the viewers which episode of my hero academia they wanted to see and the winner was episode 49 one for all which notably includes the final showdown between all might and his nemesis and the iconic united states of smash So if you haven't seen it, you should definitely tune in. Hopefully you have seen it if you've been watching My Hero Academia up to this point. And it's definitely worth re-watching. That will be leading off Toonami this Saturday at midnight. Followed by Paranoia Agent, Mob Psycho 100, Black Clover, Ball Masters, and finishing off the night is Naruto Shippuden. The good news is episode 87 will be finished fairly soon. It's supposed to be streaming on Sunday, and that could potentially mean that it will air on Toonami next week. However, they may wait until episode 88 is also dubbed so they don't have to keep kind of going back and forth between a new episode and a rerun. But we'll see how things work out. So that should get you up to date on Toonami's recent schedule changes, and with that, I'm going to kick it over to a segment that I recorded with my dear friend Darrell, and our very special guest from the Manga Mavericks podcast, Lum Ranmayasha, as we discuss Gundam The Origin, Advent of the Red Comet. And be sure to stick around after that segment for a special interview with Robbie Daymond, who was on Gundam The Origin. That brought to you by our man on the floor, Daniel Vimyoko, aka Anime Sager. And with that, let's suit up. Welcome back to the Tsunami Faithful Podcast. I am your host, Sketch, and with me, I am joined by my regular co-host.
1: It's Samurai Daryl Maddox,
0: you human scum. And a very special guest.
2: Hi, I'm Lum Ramayasha from the Manga Mavericks Podcast and AllComet.com.
1: No, people, I did not kidnap him. Well, it's possible I did, but... I was drinking at the time. If it did happen.
2: Oh, you just smuggled me aboard a spacecraft, hiding me in a box hey, with a hey, cat and a don't. crazy old man.
0: Ah, yes, you know the uh, optimal way to travel. Yes, no, he just... was
1: probe people.
0: <laughs> so
1: probing was a necessary thing to do.
0: Mm-hmm. So the truth, the truth here is, my uh, fellow Tanami faithful cohorts. Uh, slept on a really good show and most of them didn't end up watching it. So of course Darrell did because it's Gundam and I did because it's Gundam.
2: (laughs) And I also did because it's Gundam.
0: Yes, It's
1: a really good show. So I guess we can say it's Gundam
0: style. (laughs) 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 Mmm. uh, yes, exactly. Uh, it's
2: Oh, sexy Gundam. Whoa, 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 whoa sexy Gundam Show style. Yeah.
0: Well, I can't entirely fault them, because they did have the audacity to premiere this show at 3 in the morning.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's no wonder people slept on it when it's at an hour of the day where
1: people normally
0: are asleep. But, you know, if people want to have 3 a.m. premieres, they gotta watch them. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Personally, I am i don't want to go too far into this, but I'm good with not having 3 a.m. premieres because no show should have to air that late.
3: It
2: definitely feels like a waste because, again, that's definitely one of those hours in the day, 3 a.m., 4 a.m., where most people get into bed by that time. I think you're
1: really pushing it with 3 a.m. But it's really interesting. 3 a.m. is like coming in from a heavy night of drinking (laughs) out there... Actually, consuming some food and like yeah, possibly my shower, but no, mainly I'm going to hit that bed and get my pillow the best head it ever got.
0: Are you, you mean you don't want to come home at 3 a.m. and want some political intrigue?
1: <laughs> mm, political intrigue or booze?
2: And that's that is also what... the thing because this show is very politics heavy there's a lot going on in it so you do need to kind of pay attention there is a lot of action but there's also a lot going on on the background
1: it really is i mean you got two different factions and you know both sides believe they're right and
2: and even within those different factions you have sub factions of people working against each other and it's like this complicated web of politics and power plays.
1: No, uh, no, It gets so freaking convoluted at times. Like, like, who am I actually supposed to be mad at? Who's right? Who's wrong?
0: <laughs> well, I mean, that's <laughs> the you thing with Gundam. Both sides, you almost always have a reason to side with either <laughs> side.
1: Well, y'all know my um, <laughs> well, relationship. <there's... clears throat> Especially <laughs> with the hating of Char.
0: Mm. Ah, man. Char is... All right, we got to probably introduce this before we get too far into this. All right, so this series is Gundam The Origin, which was a six-episode OVA that was then recut into a 13-episode TV series Mm -hmm. and uh, wonderfully voiced at new uh, NYAV posts in the dub. Great cast. Phenomenal cast, really. And it is Gundam The Origin... But particularly the TV cut and the OVA in general, it's more like Char, the origin. (laughs) Because there is a decent amount of, oh, this is what leads up to mobile suit development. This is what leads up to the building of the 78 Gundam. But let's be real here. This is a whole lot of Char wank.
2: It is. Yeah, I mean this is basically this is uh... to Gundam, what the Star Wars prequels are to Star Wars. They're exploring the backstory of an iconic villain in the series and kind of the events leading up to where the world is at in the original story. And this story pretty much takes place from the assassination of Zeon Daikum all the way through the very beginning of Gundams, through, like, the early part of the One Year War, just right about when Amuro would board Whiteface. So.
1: I was just going to say pre-dad by Char, but better explanation.
0: Amuro, <laughs> I am not your father. <laughs> then what does that make us... Nothing, actually. (laughs) And yet we were destined, destined to be together.
2: I mean, they have a very deep spiritual connection as types.
0: Yeah, they're also Eskimo brothers. Brothers. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we even uh, get introduced to Lala in this series. Yeah. Ever so briefly.
2: I mean, if any questions you've had about how characters met each other or how things came to be, this series basically explains it all. Uh, even if there are like some like winks that are like, OK, this is a little contrived. Like, oh, you know, Char and Garma were at the unzoomed funeral at the same time. Oh, Char and Amuro were in the same airport at the same time. It, past each other without even knowing. It's like, okay, I get it. But it's still fun. Fun stuff to kind of see the origins of and learn about. And some... like I put in a lot of good fan favorites in here. And it's really fun to see all these characters explored in the in new context.
0: Yeah, it really is. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So the crux of this is uh, Zeon Zoom Daikon is uh he collapses on the stand as he's about to give a very important speech and Degwin Zabi's are like I knew what my friend wanted and I will take the fight from here um <laughs> meanwhile uh Jimbaral father of Rombaral, you know him he uh informs Australia the mistress of Xionzum Daikun who is given him two heirs, Kozval, the boy, and Artesia, the daughter. Uh, he informs them that it was most likely a assassination, though apparently, according to the novels, it may have been just overworking. <laughs> but, yeah, you, you-
2: kind of get a sense of that in the very couple opening minutes of yeah the he's episode.
0: really like he's uh
2: working himself and he's, he's paranoid like you could believe that it was like a stress attack that did him in
0: yeah
1: dude i mean seriously he was like completely stressed out he whooped, like you said he wasn't sleeping sleep deprived man that plays a big big strain on your heart trust me Staying up, baby, anywhere from 72 to 92 hours, man, trust me, there's a big difference in how you are. And think about it, if this dude was doing it, like, 24-7, non-stop, you know, because basically at this point, he's fanatical. I mean, even the way he was talking.
2: Yeah. I mean, people need their sleep. It is very unhealthy to go without sleeping, and if putting that much burn on yourself, you're going to cause some health problems
1: for yourself. Yes. So. Not to mention, he was pretty delusional, too, though. Oh, yeah.
2: Oh, I mean, yeah. He was actively paranoid. Towards the, the like, end, I'm like, saying... dude,
0: they're going to put me on my cross. It was like, dude.
2: Yeah. like he, he actively thought that people were going to execute him, that they were out to get him, whether or not that was true.
0: Well, it was true, but they it may is, not yeah. have actually acted.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> At any rate, <laughs> uh, yeah, so Jim Baral... Is, accuses the zombies of murdering uh, Zun Daikun. And he does this in front of the kids and Australia's like, no, not in front of the children. He's like, no, the children must hear this most of all. <laughs> I was like, this... I like this guy. <laughs> so this is where Char's whole deal basically begins. As he is once... Rem Daikun, the heir of Daikun. And he and his sister are then spirited away to Earth ever so briefly before they end up on the Texas colony in the (laughs) care of uh, Diablo Mas. Now, there's a whole lot of, as we mentioned before, Different factions within factions that are going against each other. So, smuggling them away is because uh, the zombies don't want these kids to live, obviously. But they can't really do it, you know, out in the open, kill them. So, they gotta have to, you know, massage <laughs> their way brutal. into an assassination or two, and eventually they do manage to kill Rawl. Uh, all the while, while Romburral remains a faithful soldier, more or less, I mean, Romburral is one of the most interesting characters here because he uh, oh, yeah. he he has to, you know, play the faithful soldier, but he's also constantly working against Zeon in various ways, and you know, man, he's he is he you know the, uh, he takes his man, lumps.
2: He's a man of duty. He feel he's a very honor bound. And he's a soldier at heart. He's very driven by curiosity to kind of work under Dozel and test out the uh, mobile suits they're developing. Mm-hmm. But you know, there is lines that he will not cross. Like, he refuses to participate in the colony drop.
0: So As any sensible person should. Yeah. <laughs> so that's a big thing that happens in this show that leads up to the conflict in the original mobile suit Gundam. The Zeons drop a freaking colony, one of their own colonies. They gas the colony, all the residents that are still on it, and just drop it on the Earth. And by the end of all this destruction, it wipes out about half the life on Earth. That is... It's one of the most
2: harrowing, disturbing scenes.
0: It really like, is. Like,
2: right before it happens, we see inside the colony, we see, like, you know, people, like, going to shelters, and things are, like, peaceful. We get to know, like, this couple, like, one's a soldier, and, like, talking with his girlfriend, and how about they, like, to, you know, really move forward to a relationship afterwards, and then we see, like, cut to later, like, they've put in the gas, and then it's become incredibly cold, and people are, like, just dropping, and
1: like flies dying yeah it kind of reminds you like that reference it really made me think about Auschwitz man Mm -hmm. it really did I mean it was you know I don't know if people read that much into it but it just made me think about what they did in Auschwitz man in the uh, concentration camps it may have not necessarily been on the same level as like you know the cruelty and what was going on but it did have that undertone of like hey this is what they did in concentration I mean concentration camps You know, these people were put in the chambers and, you know, they gassed them and then basically what they did was they dropped a whole fucking colony on the earth. It was like the second impact. Mm -hmm. It
2: was a full-scale crime against humanity. Like, they murdered an entire colony of people so they can murder half the population of earth. Like,
1: it's... uh, Just to prove a point, man.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at that point, I think you pretty much say, um, you know, at the very least, the people in the leadership of Xeon are very bad. <laughs> yeah, assume. at that
1: point, like... I mean, they were merciless, man. I mean, if you can do this, like, without Ben, I'm mean, saying this is a, you know, this is actually an acceptable loss. Mm-hmm. It's like, basically, screw your people. Yep. And yeah. I'm like, I'm never, I've never been that type of leader where I say screw my people because... No one is exactly expendable, you know. Which was like my kind of horror thinking at one point of being a soldier. I really thought that I was, um, you know, I really had this idea of yes, I am expendable. I'm just a uh, cog that can be replaced,
0: so I'm gonna give them my all. Mm-hmm. But you know who else thinks people are expendable? Char Osnabal, or rather, oh. Kazval Rem Daikun slash. Edward Moss, who kills his buddy, Char Osdobal, <laughs> yeah, who looks a the whole military lot military like him like by military switching military. seats with him, yeah, like sending military. him on a plane that is going to be destroyed. A shell, actually. It's going to be destroyed by Xeon. And taking his identity as he goes into the military academy. And when he gets to the military academy and he's starting to... Build rapport with people. One guy figures out that he's Coswell, and what does he do? He gets that guy killed too! (laughs) Yep. What, that just, man, Robbie Damon's just destined to get betrayed by blonde guys in Gundam shows.
1: Yes, he is. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) I felt really bad for that guy. I mean, he had the best of intentions. It's like, you're Char, use this thing on the battlefield because you can't be wearing sunglasses. He's like, oh, this is great! Thank you very much. I'll be killing uh, you. Know, later. That, that guy, guy
2: gave Char his look, his son like the sunglasses visors.
0: Yeah, you know. Uh, but
2: and he was we, just trying to help. Like he was. We salute was you, Lino. We salute you. But yeah, Char is ruthless, very protective of his identity, and very focused on his ultimate goal of getting revenge. And so he won't let anyone like stand to compromise that.
0: Nope.
1: I mean, I get it. Dude could have been a liability, you know, so he had to really get rid of him. I kind of understand it to a certain extent, but I'm like, dude, if you can, like, if this dude is on your side, but then I kind of look at the dude, like, loose lips do sink ships. And you got to be kind of fair, so it's kind of common practice with, you know, certain things that you have to do. If you know somebody knows certain things, yeah... Go ahead and take him out. I mean, thank God. Look at what Lawler did, man. You know, Sue Sky squad <laughs> yeah. in the room, man. Like, does anybody else know? They's like, no, man. She put a bullet in everybody, man. <laughs> but, you know, to be honest with you, that, that is kind of standard protocol, even <laughs> in the service, man, depending on where you are. You just take him out. Like, nobody needs to know except for you. <sighs> Calculate a risk.
0: Mm, indeed.
1: Talk about job security.
0: So also at the military academy, he meets... Uh, actually, he doesn't meet, but he uh, spends some quality time with Garma Zabi. Now, I want right. to point out that at the funeral scene of Zoom Daikun, you see this moment where Shar looks over at Garma, and the yeah. two of them exchange a glance, and it's like, oh, these two are not going to get along at all.
2: <laughs> well, actually, Garma is like trying to be friendly. He like kind of waves at Shar, but like Shar standout is like he kind of like pouts and like turns away. And that kind of describes their dynamic because Garma genuinely wants to have Shar as a friend and yeah. believes that Shar is his friend. And that is why Shar is able to manipulate him because Garma trusts him and respects him to a point, like, there comes a point where Garma is envious of Char's smarts and ability, and so he wants to become a military commander to kind of be over Char, and so, like, he can assert his power and authority and show that he is better than Char. But, like, when they're in the Academy, like, Char becomes, like, the one friend he has that isn't kissing up to him, and that he also can respect. So, it's an interesting relationship.
0: Yeah, it is. And of course, they're bunk mates.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, Shar definitely manipulates the situation to become bunk mate Garma, too.
0: Yes, which all, you know, of course, is all part of his grand plan. Shar mm. plays the long game. That's for darn sure.
1: Look here, sometimes, yeah. look here, the short game is okay, but in golf we say, um, That long game got to be good too,
2: man.
1: Mm -hmm. The long game sets up that short game for some reason.
0: True.
2: Yeah. But Char definitely extracts information from Garma. That's how he learns that Xeon is developing mobile suits. And he expresses interest to Dozel in becoming a mobile suit pilot.
0: Yes. Which, you know, of course, leads up to him becoming the Red Comet in his... Zaku 2, which is red to make a statement. <laughs> <laughs> and the other mobile suit pilots don't like it very much.
2: <laughs> <Mm-mm>.
0: <laughs> no, sir. No, sir. Uh, let's see here. Um, yeah, so... Char uh, basically uh, manipulates Garma into leading an attack on the uh, Earth Forces military that are helping to train new cadets because of uh, just really a a minor thing, really, that uh, some Earth Forces shuttle messed up and damaged some of a colony. So it's like, hey, you know, we're going to show them who's boss. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And that gives... Them the opportunity to kind of strut their stuff and uh, move things along.
1: Basically, <laughs> it's a catalyst.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, it's like one of the inciting incidents that eventually leads to the war between Zion and the Federation.
1: Yes, and the fact that this professionally trained Earth Force got their ass handed to them by some cadets, man. Yep. I mean, I mean, like you know, seriously, they trained them, but. I'm like, dude, how the hell do you let cadets take you down like that? But then again, you do have some exceptional cadets, man, that, like, if they're good strategists and tacticians, and, you know, the esprit de corps is good, you can actually take over a more experienced unit, man. Mm -hmm. I've I've seen it done in war games.
2: One of these exceptional cadets was Zena Mia, who eventually becomes a uh, Mineva Zobby's mother.
0: Yes, <laughs> because all right, props to Dozel Zobby, <laughs> kind of an ugly son of a gun. <laughs> Nah, no, no, no,
1: no. He was an ugly son of a bitch, man. I'm talking about, a man, he was an eight-faced gorilla-looking son
0: of a bitch, man. He's all like, I, I, I would like would a wife. Like
2: I mean, surviving that car explosion certainly didn't help matters with the scars it gave him.
0: But those were distinguished. Dude. He was ugly before yeah. that.
1: <laughs> yeah, he was ugly before that, man. To be honest with you, those scars were actually an improvement. Yeah. <laughs> You hear that, Paul? Get some scars. It might improve your face.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And uh, part of his catalyst for doing what he does is thinking that, you know, he wants to protect his family. So, I mean, I kind of get that, but still, don't drop a freaking colony, man.
2: Yeah, I think one of the most affecting scenes in the show for me and how kind of disturbing it was, was like after the colony drop, Dozel returns home to uh Zena and Maneva and then he's holding like little baby Maneva in his arms and then he's he's like cuddling her playing with her and then he starts thinking about like the fact that he's just killed millions of little babies like her and he starts bawling and being hysterical and then he works himself into thinking that all those it's not his fault that all those kids die, it's the fault of their fathers for not being strong enough to protect them and then riles himself up into, like, justifying, like, basically committing a mass genocide and murdering a bunch of kids. So it's, it was an incredibly disturbing scene of, like, the mental gymnastics someone would go through to justify murder and hatred and war and murder. I mean, genocide. It's, just, it, it's, it's very, very harrowing mm-hmm. and uncomfortable to watch.
0: Yes, very much so. And what feels like kind of a side thing in all of this is uh, you have the mobile suit development. Uh, Professor Minoski ends up changing sides, but... Well, he's going to change sides, but he ends up getting killed. And uh, Amuro's father, Tim Ray, he is developing the uh, RX-78 and Amuro, curious boy that he is tries to investigate this and ends up getting his father's stuff all confiscated <laughs> 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 shouldn't have uh, stuck your nose where it doesn't belong, kid and uh, in <laughs> case you need a reminder that characters like Kai were assholes to Amaro before they, you know became shipmates <laughs> there's plenty <laughs> of that <laughs> Yeah.
2: I liked when they got caught by the guards of the base, and then like Kai and all those other like jerks got like beat up and stuff. But they sent Amuro on his way home after realizing who his dad was. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) That honestly didn't seem fair. (laughs) No. Amuro should have gotten smacked too.
2: I mean, yeah, it was just um, as the
0: should have got smacked repeatedly. <laughs> but Kai is just... Not so even my, my father hits me. <laughs> <laughs> i tell you, there wasn't enough bright Noah in this.
2: <laughs> no, he, he barely appears, actually. I think uh, Mirai shows up more than he does.
0: Yeah, she's in, like, two scenes.
2: <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I-, I want to shout out to uh, General Rivel. That guy is a badass. <laughs> like, throughout that whole battle, his just grisly voice, and even those calm commands, and like, yeah, I like this guy. And then, yeah. of course, he in- <clears throat> ex- exasperates the war further. And, uh, you know, Shar might have been able to stop that if he wanted to. <laughs>
2: It's not in Shard's interest to stop the war. Like, he wanted it as a means to eventually punish the zombies and have them all wiped out. Yep. But, like, that moment where Admiral Revel, like... So, Dagwin kind of helps him break free of, you know, his imprisonment to send him back to Earth so, like, he could, you know announce like a truce, you know, a peace, like peace. But instead, Revel completely goes back on that promise. And it's like, no, we can't give in to Zeon. We have to continue this war. Ours is a just war. And it's just like the casualties to come and like the violence to come is like Mm. just out of the sake of like pride. It's like kind of astonishing.
1: Pride and ego, man. I'm like, it's just a whole bunch of small, dick dudes waving around weapons that they can use, man. Because they're lacking confidence and like, <laughs> hey, I'm going to do this now. So it basically became a penis-slinging contest. Mm-hmm. And a couple of inches won. <laughs> For the time being, at least, anyway. <laughs> I mean, but seriously, that's what it is, man. It's like, my stick is bigger than yours, so I'm going to use it, and I'm about to subjugate you. That's yeah. what it all in the end, man. It, that's what it always comes down to. It's just like one side believes they're right over the other, and mm-hmm. then somewhere through history, it gets erased of actually what happens. And to be honest with you, to look at it, just to reference Gundam Wing, endless Waltz. That's all it is because it, history always repeats itself throughout Gundam. Like mm-hmm. they, you know, okay, we have this momentary. Of enlightenment and peace, and then next thing you know, the shit starts right over again. But yeah. that's gone for you. Like, nobody has learned the lesson yet. There are no winners and losers in this, everybody freaking loses.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I feel like the promise of the new type is really like people being able to connect with each other spiritually and through empathy, and that potential that people talk about is never fully actualized because the wars continue and then those talents and that you know perceptiveness is wasted in the effort of destroying other people. So mm-hmm. I mean ultimately Tomino's whole message with and really the entire team of Gundam as a whole, is that war is bad and nothing productive can come of senseless conflict in which the only goal is like for purely selfish political, social,
1: economic gain. Exactly. That's all it's for. And the Mm -hmm. thing is, like, it's the people that actually lose because the higher powers are the ones that are even the most benefits out from it. I mean, even the people that's on the lower class of the um, winning side, they don't really get much out of it except the satisfaction of, hey, I'm on the winning side so I can treat this particular group any kind of way I want to. But yeah. eventually they get tired of then the group get the the weakness get stronger and then, you know, it subjugate them or you come to some kind of peace for a second and like you said, it's war is bad and it just like I said, it rails right back up again to the same old story. And I think that's what it's kinda of gone to me is it like it's just like, look here, if you haven't learned your lesson now and you continue to do these things, this is what's gonna keep happening over and over again
2: Mm
1: hmm. Anything else? I think we can kinda stretch it out as much as we can.
2: Um There's a lot of little things that happen in the show. I feel like really bad for Sayla throughout the show.
0: Oh man. She
2: you know, this all happens when she's still a really young girl. She loses her father, then she separated from her mother. And then her cat dies, and eventually her brother leaves her, and she's all alone. And then the home she was living in, and the people, you know, she was living with, all attacked, and they all get killed too. And then it's, she's just on her own, and so mm-hmm. she has a really hard life, just trying to have to protect herself and fend for herself without anyone else to support her.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And then she just has to cling to the hope that her brother is still out there somewhere.
0: Oh, so, it's so tragic hmm yeah it really contextualizes their reunion in mobile suit Gundam but I, I have to say Selah was amazing in that uh, moment where she returns home to uh, <clears throat> to assist uh, Tiablo who had grown ill and you know the, the riots break out and she you know she just takes charge gets everybody to fight back and man, she is good with oh, that yeah. old gun. Wow.
1: <laughs> I mean like that pretty
2: badass.
1: That's the one thing I did love, man, that she was not a weak female character. Well no, not character. at all. She was not a weak woman. And that's what can I that's what kinda like sometimes with Gundam. You do yeah. have some real strong femme mm-hmm. characters. We're not gonna talk about really Peace craft.
0: Mm-mm.
2: But even in this show, there are, like, a lot of badass ladies. I mean... Exactly. Uh, awesome. Crowley! Yeah. Super awesome. Yeah. I mean, you can see why Rambaral turns to her. Like, she mm-hmm. really gets Shar uh, and Sela like, out of their situation and helps them escape to that uh, Texas planet. Then, you know, she consistently is a really good informant and...
1: Like yeah, leader, they, yeah, she's doing it right up under their noses, man, and mm-hmm. like she, she's like NFG, you no know, fucks given, mm-hmm. and the she takes,
2: and she takes no shits from anyone. Like when those two guys that you know they hired to impersonate bed soldier soldiers to you know drive the tank are like asking for more money and then try to force her into. You know, having sex with them, she like just kicks their ass. And then when one of the guys like pulls a gun on her, she's like, Don't you even try. You know full well that you can't fire that in here. So.
0: And then those I guys mean, practically piss their out. pants when they get in real trouble.
2: Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> love that.
0: Meanwhile, little Coswall up there is shooting that gun take like like he knows what he's doing <laughs>
1: dude, some people just born with it man they got the stuff from day one man
0: seems like it I mean jeez <laughs> they're all like debating over like don't do it don't shoot him it's gonna make things worse somebody shot it who shot it <laughs> did that kid
1: dude Crazy it was kid. just a moment from Harlem Nights nice, man wow you are really unlucky with kids <laughs> I mean, yeah. but Origins was, but, you know, I got to talk about the animation. It was so free. Oh, it's glorious. I mean, like, it was so easy on the eyes, man. It was like just, you look at it and you just relax. Like, you're not straining your eyes.
2: Oh, the character Mm. animation is absolutely beautiful. Like, so expressive so fluid like i was just consistently blown away by its quality especially since you know these are fairly uh detailed character designs so like the fact that they can move so well and express so well is just absolutely outstanding like, they poured over a lot
0: budget. Of with,
2: oh definitely
0: <laughs> i
1: mean it's like you don't really see that a lot these days like you know you see good character design but you know But, like, sometimes you just had an animation that just, like, sticks out above the rest. You know, that's the reason why I said Origins was, like, you know, up there with um, Unicorn when I look in the um, animation part, you know, style and then art and everything. How it just, Mm -hmm. like you said, just like it flows, it's there.
0: It just makes me want a remake of the original Mobile Suit Gundam so much.
1: I know. I mean, yeah,
0: I mean...
2: There's more Gundam the original manga. Like it retells the original story. You could uh, use that as the foundation for a new adaptation.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's the reason why. Like, people's like, "Well, I don't like Gundam," but you try to remind people there is a Gundam out there for everybody, and I do mean everybody. Mm.
2: Mm. I mean, there are so many different kinds of series. So. I mean, if you want something super silly, you can go for G Gundam. If you want something a little more child-friendly, you can go with Bill Fighters. Uh, I mean, there's so many different types of Gundam to you can choose from, depending on like what you're in the mood for. Yeah.
0: And if you uh, want to see guys with ripped abs and sweltering heat, then watch Iron-Blooded or Orphans. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean if you want Equal to see, Opportunity like, fan service. If you want
1: to see what happens when Gundam tags up with wrestling, G Gundam. Yeah. Like seriously. I mean those names though, Tequila Gundam. I was like, you know why you like tequila Gundam? You know? oh, I mean boy. seriously. As soon as I saw Tequila Gundam, I was like, man, this is so freaking stereotypical and racist in so many ways. I was like, man, even the one with the African, um, I was like, man, y'all just, G Gundam, I love y'all. I own it, but I was like, y'all could have did a little bit better, man. Mm -hmm. They Mm could have did a little bit better with the indigenous people, man. Hmm. It's just the fact that with Gundam, you got the origin story, then you get all these other great stories that kind of branch out from it. And that's what makes the Gundam universe just like so freaking awesome amazing to me because you have all these different stories but in some way they tie back in together just a little bit, you know, but everything is still a separate entity in its own way. But it's still giving you that same message and still giving you that gundam bill that you're used to.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Anything else, Bang?
0: Well I I do want to point out. We already mentioned that that uh, that young couple that were involved with the colony drop just as bystanders. But there's actually a couple more moments in this series where they just kind of show other people involved, and you know, they they you know they just die. <laughs> like yeah. Ryu Jose, who uh, is just trying to park his spaceship for whatever reason he's in the middle of the battlefield and oh boy both him and his buddy get you know wrecked <clears throat> sad shout out to bryce pappenbrook for that really gruff voice i was like is that bryce i think that's bryce <laughs> sure enough <clears throat> it was amazing here bryce trying to do these deep gruff voices it's like come on bryce what are you doing <laughs> we know you ain't got that deep voice like that Bryce but bless your heart it is amusing when you do it bless your heart (laughs) oh yeah of course you see I would say cameos of various other uh, I was like doesn't Dren not show up till like the very end there but that's that's uh the, the guy in charge of the ship that shars on in uh, mobile suit gundam so i think so yeah yeah very good stuff a very pretty show if you have not seen it you can watch it in multiple forms i would honestly recommend just watching the ovas if yeah
2: you the T V cut cut stuff
0: out yeah. Of, yeah. Uh, but episode. I will say that this TV cut is much much better than unicorns
2: oh yeah I mean they chose like good cliffhangers for all the episodes or at least good places at the end then so like yeah. each episode felt like kind of cohesive like it had it's beginning middle and end point to them so it didn't mm-hmm. feel like disconnected or like you were stopping in like the middle of something like it often felt with the unicorn cut
0: yeah, the the unicorn cut would occasionally the episode would end and be like, oh, "Well, what well, we'll just happened? <laughs> credits." Okay, oh, okay. <laughs> Which was only exasperated further on the tsunami version because the credits would be so abrupt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So this was a much more viewable experience in, in my opinion. But if you have the choice, just watch the OVAs. They're even more widely available. <laughs> yeah, it's on uh, Hulu. It's on Funimation, it's on Crunchyroll. I think it's on Netflix. Maybe? I
2: think.
0: It's on sure. multiple things at any rate. Yeah. But definitely watch it. It's yeah. It's a good place to start if you wanna begin the Gundam journey, as it were. Yeah,
2: <laughs> um, I mean it's I, is I the beginning. feel it's best enjoyed kinda as a prequel. Like I feel like Your appreciation is heightened if you are already familiar with Gundam and you can recognize, oh. Like
0: the Star Wars prequels.
2: I mean, yeah, kinda. I feel this is more interesting, though. Like, the details this fills in is more engaging and more entertaining, for sure. Like,
0: true. True. Like, you. You definitely lose out on the mystery of who is Char and who are who is Sela and various other characters if you see this before seeing Mobile Suit Gundam. So, I mean, if you're listening to this, you already know. <laughs> but, yeah, maybe. So maybe don't recommend this as somebody's first Gundam, maybe. <laughs> but, nah,
1: yeah. I wouldn't recommend this as somebody's first Gundam. Um let's see I'll probably
0: suggest wing well I mean got a lot of people into Gundam
2: <laughs> one in the pocket nice short fight sized Gundam show to get and
0: into. it it definitely that that is like uh how, how do we uh, really dense Gundam <laughs> in mm-hmm. that it it contains everything Gundam. That you need to know in a very small package in War in Your yeah. Pocket because it's that that OVA, probably more than other ones, really displays the horrors of war, how it affects people, how there can be good people on both sides. It's really intriguing and really good. So, mm-hmm. pick it up. They put out the Blu ray, right stuff. I got it. Go me. <laughs>
1: Oh, well, it's time to go spend some time with Bay now. Ha uh-huh. ha! Uh-huh. Got a reason to get me over to your house, Bay.
0: As if you didn't have reasons before.
1: I know. But now you have more. Mm-hmm.
0: A whole six episodes worth.
1: I know, right? <laughs> the best six episodes
0: of my lives. Okay, so Lum, you want to tell folks where they can find you?
2: Sure. You can find me at Lum Ramayasha on Twitter and a variety of places by that name, any List, Animation Revelation, wherever it's a Lum Ramayasha, that's where you can find me. And you can check out my podcast, the Manga Mavericks podcast. we a podcast that discusses manga as a medium as an industry. We have several re- uh, reviews and retrospectives on a lot of great manga series like Shaman King. And banana fish, and we got uh, some cool stuff coming up. We got episodes on Yu-Gi-Oh and Dragon Ball coming up in the next month. We also have interviews with industry professionals like uh, Jason Thompson on Takahashi. So a lot of cool stuff we're doing, and you can find that, you know, on whatever podcast app or platform of your preference be it Apple Podcasts Spotify whichever and we're on social media at monk underscore Mavericks as well and uh, I also write monk reviews for all com. so you
0: can check those out there as well Mr. Jarrell where can they find you
1: well you can always find me at ukami underscore samurai seven at twitter.com and that's pretty much it these days y'all know I've been kind of low key on twitter a lot these days but you know it might catch me in the uh, Discord, too, the 200 people Discord, but not lately. And, you know, probably at somebody's bar later. Maybe Sketch's bedroom, you know. But that's pretty much it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. You can find me at Sketch1984 on Twitter. And you can find my other regular co-host at Paul Pasquillo. And, uh, yeah. Bug him. <laughs> yeah, hate <take> that fucker. <laughs> Bug him and tell him that he missed out on a great show. That being Gundam of The Origin, Advent of the Red Comet. At least the OVA makes a point. Where it's like, yeah, this is about Char. For real. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the TV cut makes it very clear this is about Char. I can hate you, Char. That guy has three names. <laughs> Asshole Supreme. And more if you count the middle names. Oh,
2: yeah. I mean, there's more in the shows after this. quattro vagina.
0: Oh, yes. Quattro-Bagina. <laughs> uh, it's, it's like... Seriously? <laughs> the The names... In Gundam shows. <laughs> the names, man, the names.
2: <laughs> the very crazy
0: ones. Uh, we're never gonna get Zeta Gundam on Tsunami. <laughs> well, maybe they it's can. It's too old!
2: Yeah, maybe, you know, <clears throat> maybe one day
0: they'll make a remake Maybe.
2: I don't know uh Zeta Gundam, the origin. I guess that would just be the original Gundam though.
0: <laughs> mm. 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 Well, thank you for listening to our Gundam the Origin segment. We realize that it is long, overdue, but here it is. And with that, we return you to the rest of the podcast.
2: You're listening to a Toonami Faithful Podcast exclusive interview.
3: What's up, Toonami Faithful? My name is Daniel I'm known as anime savior, and today I'm hanging out with Robbie Damon, who's uh, the voice of many uh, characters like, uh,
4: uh... <laughs> Well, let's see, we're here at the Viz booth, so uh, for Viz, uh, Tuxedo Mask and Chrollo. uh let's see, Moomin Rider, Ski, but outside of that, Prompto, Final Fantasy XV, catchy Persona 5, all sorts of stuff, guys. Thanks for agreeing to meet up with me. It's It might be a little noisy, we're here on the con floor, but that's yeah. that's Comic-Con for you. Yep.
3: <laughs> oh yeah, you also voiced uh, Galio in Gundam, Armed Blood Orphans, and Ede in Coolie as well. Yeah, that's true. There's a lot of anime out there. If they want, they can just check out my IMDb. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we've been, yeah, we've seen you've been voicing a lot of uh, characters lately. It, seeing you as one of the rising stars in the anime uh, uh, voice acting, as well as cartoons and video games. But of course, as many uh, actors and actresses will tell you, it could be a long. It could take a long time for an actor to break into this scene, much less be a household name. What, what, and what, when, and what made you decide to? pursue this craft of voice acting, and how did you get here today? Well,
4: uh, I've been acting almost my almost my whole life. I was, started as a professional actor when I was 10, uh-huh. and then I went to college for acting, and then I went to grad school, uh, knowing how unlikely becoming a professional actor would be, uh, and yet here I am. So, um, I, I did all of that, and then I came out to Los Angeles in 2007, did a little bit on camera, and in uh, 2009 I started to pursue voice acting, so about 10 years ago, and uh, I just always have been a... A fan of cartoons and anime and video games, and uh, it just seemed like a good fit for me to be able to apply my sort of knowledge to that to it to a new kind of acting.
3: Uh, we've seen quite a few of your uh, work on Teen such as Galileo, uh, Moomin Rider, Krollo, Ide, and Mitsuki, among others. Uh, w- what? Uh, have you have you seen the Toonami block prior to getting cast in all these roles? Uh, do you consider yourself a Toonami faithful? Oh,
4: absolutely. I'm older than you, so I'm OG Toonami faithful. <laughs> I was watching back when it was uh, Cowboy Bebop and a bunch of other classic shows. When I was in high school and college, it was the Dragon Ball Z Cell Saga. It was the, 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 the OG stuff that came on on Saturday nights when, you know, all of a sudden Cartoon Network was no longer... Uh, it was no longer regular cartoons, it was this crazy Japanese anime, and I instantly fell in love with it. So I've been watching for a long time, so being able to be a part of it now is uh, an
3: amazing experience. Well, I personally first heard of you, uh, you, were, you were basically cast as a tuxedo mask in Sailor Moon Crystal and the Viz read up. So uh, while well, you've yet to see Sailor Moon return to Tsunami just yet, uh, how did it feel nonetheless to have a role in one of anime's most iconic franchises? Well, that was my first anime. So uh,
4: I had been doing cartoons and commercials and audiobooks and games for a while. And uh, I really wanted to sort of tap into this world. So I, I sent out a message to a studio owner that I know and said, hey, I know you guys cast anime. If you see anything, let me know. And he said, oh, okay, I'll keep you in mind. And then a few weeks later, the, the Sailor Moon auditions came out. And uh, I knew right away it was something that I wanted to do. And I uh, sent mine in, felt really good about my Mamaru, my, my tuxedo mask. Mm-hmm. And uh, and, then, and then a month later, I was uh, recording. And a month after that, I was at my first Anime Expo in 2015. So uh, it's been, or 2014, I think. So it's been an absolute pleasure uh, and, and uh, a combination of luck and good fortune uh to be able to to be in such an iconic anime for my very first one
3: yeah i think you and uh whole, you and uh stephanie and the whole sailor moon crew the uh, new news all the new sailor moon cast like did a pretty good job in uh re- reigniting the flood, the fire that is uh, this <laughs> this franchise yeah it's we
4: amazing. did six sailor moon days in anime expo and they just keep getting bigger it's really 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 enjoyable the the sailor moon fans you know what a unique experience to do it to bring back to life a show that that has been beloved for almost thirty years. So yeah, it's really really our pleasure.
3: Yeah, a... <laughs> All we need now is just basically Sailor Moon on tsunami. You just <laughs> ah, someday maybe, someday Hopefully. we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> of course, another uh, iconic tsunami show is the the Gundam franchise, and uh, you voiced a, a few characters, including Galio from Iron Blood and Orphan, So, uh, let how was it voice too.
4: Uh, uh, IBO, uh, I really enjoyed. I thought it was a great Gundam show. It uh, had a really good run on Toonami. People seemed to enjoy it a lot. Yeah. And uh, I really enjoyed my character. Uh, he had a lot of twists and turns. Yeah. So um, I, I, uh, anytime you get a chance to play somebody in anime who's sort of unique and three-dimensional, uh, I'll take it. And plus, it's Gundam. I got to build my own Gundams. How cool is that?
3: Yeah. <laughs> How is was t- it basically voice uh, deeds 2 franchises? uh like growing up, when you when you were growing up, yeah, you were uh, watching it alongside the rest of us. Now you're on them (laughs) yeah
4: well for me it was always a goal that i i was looking for as as an actor and uh you know at a certain point you realize that these are real people that are doing this so why not you and uh, i didn't get a chance to meet any of them like at a convention or or talk to them or do anything like that uh so i just pursued it like a profession and um and then once you get to see it when it really happens it was definitely a a wild experience pretty surreal
3: yeah Uh, let's just say uh Watching the show, your character Galio has been—let's just say—had a pretty rough, like. Sure. <laughs> yeah. <you're>, uh... <laughs> Your uh, character's BFF uh, basically betrayed him. Mm-hmm. His sister fell in love with him. I think he got killed. I mean, because he, he got killed. I think he's like That's twice. Uh huh. Yeah, it's uh, classic
4: anime yeah, like, betrayals <laughs> for old Galio. Uh Yeah. Um, I, uh, I that just makes the character more complex and interesting to me. So he had a bit of a rough ride, but uh, but uh, he came out on the right side of it, or maybe not. I guess you'll have to watch the series if you haven't already.
3: Yeah yeah it's pretty crazy <laughs> See how it goes and how it ends and oh yeah stuff. so uh question of the biz booth we got to talk about one punch man like sure like of course, uh, your character Moon Rider, uh, like compared to your your colleague and friend uh, Max, who voices the super OP Saitama, uh-huh. voiced the pretty much the lovable well, 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 underdog, uh, the super uh, underpowered, underpowered the, yeah, yeah, underpowered. yeah, yeah, the UP. Uh, yeah, he.
4: Uh, <laughs> I love Moon Rider. He might not have all the the skills and the power, but he's got a heart of gold. Uh, I think that's why he's a fan favorite character, and uh, I love being part of such a fun, iconic, ironic uh, show. It's really... Really, really, really enjoyable. I like Momen
3: Rider. He's he's my favorite. Yeah, yeah. Like one of the things that really got to me, but but his character, is his determination. Like when he was fighting, I forgot what it was the Sea King. Oh yeah, yeah. the Sea King. Yeah. Oh my god! Oh my god! How did I I, I? I can't imagine how how he managed to hold them, hold off, hold them <laughs> off for so long. Hey, come on, man! He
4: saved Genos' life. Yeah. He held him off for just long enough for Saitama to get there.
3: Yeah, uh, yeah it was really good. Well, what are your personal uh, feelings about uh, his character in this uh, suit in this uh, su- superhero world oh I, I I like the
4: idea of anybody can be a hero but of mm-hmm. course it's one punch man so it's a parody and uh, and yes anyone can be a hero but not everybody has the <laughs> skills to back it up yeah. so uh, I like that they that they temper that that idea with a little bit of uh a little bit of irony
3: Uh Um, of course uh season two is they're working on season two right now sure are and uh still waiting for the dub and the tsunami run and the the tsunami
4: and all that let's just say no comment i don't know anything about that but hopefully we'll get some news soon yeah do you know any news about it Mm.
3: No, all I know is they're just wrapping up season two. Well, I probably they're know right. just about as much as you do. Yeah. About <laughs> uh, a year ago, you voiced uh, Hitomi's boyfriend, Ide, in Fully click Progressive. Uh, yes! How did it feel to be a part of the Futikuli universe, so to speak? Oh, man, it was so much fun. Uh, That's a show that I
4: grew up watching. Uh, Well, not grew up, but it's a show that I watched when I was much younger. And uh, it's just sort of got this iconic history. Mm -hmm. Kari Walgren is a friend. Mm -hmm. And uh, the fact that she came back and reprised her role and it was directed... it was directed at uh, with Stephanie and, and and all of that. Uh, it was just a really great experience, and then to see it come back on Tsunami, it, it, it was a nice wave of nostalgia
3: and a reboot at the same time. Yeah. Uh, tell us about your uh, your character, for Like, uh, you- yeah, I think he is an interesting character.
4: He's kind of this. Uh, He's kind of this sad boy who also, uh, you know, he works really hard, but he's kind of a screw-up, and he's just like all the other teenagers. His hormones are getting in the way of (laughs) of everything. I think that's a main theme of Furukudi. So, uh, uh, yeah, he's got a rough run of it, and he just finds himself as sort of a normal person inside of this wild world, uh, even though he has his own head monsters that jump out from time to time. Uh, but, um, But in the end, he ends up being a pretty darn good guy, even if he's not that capable.
3: <laughs> yeah. well, of course of all well, we kind of liked it the uh, this new sequel that uh, some some other folks that uh, some other a fully coolie uh, fans probably didn't think so much about you guys uh you're, 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 the sequel you guys made but well
4: I didn't make it but I, just, I mean you guys um well that's uh that's
3: too, that's too bad
4: uh, I think anytime anyone lets nostalgia get in the way yeah. of enjoying something new that's pretty unfortunate now if it's just objectively not that great then that's fine you don't have to enjoy it but If you're just upset that it's not the original, then that's not really a way to enjoy media at all or you'll always be disappointed. Yeah, always yeah, that's hope. how I feel in general Even right in how basics. do you how do you update something without just telling the yeah. same old story yeah. but that's true across all fandoms look at Star Wars uh, everybody ragged on the on the new on the, on the newest movie because it was too much of a departure yeah. but then they ragged on the, the one before that because they said it was just a yeah. just a remake of New Hope yeah. so <laughs> you're never gonna make anybody happy so you might as well just make the art that you
3: like yeah. I think that's what I that's what I think. yeah that's true <laughs> so in that regard uh, how did you make the, in your in your perspective, uh, do what you could to you make uh, make it the best you could.
4: Well, I just had to trust the story and trust the arts, and we we didn't even really dub it. We did a lot of the um, mm-hmm. a lot of the English before the Japanese. So um, really, we just trusted the script and trusted the dubbing and the the um, or trusted the storyboards that we had and the arts. Yeah. And um, you just do what's on the page as an actor. That's your only job, really, is to bring to life uh what's on the page and outside of that was well, not much we can do so we just gave the best performance that i could possibly try and give
3: yeah. i think you and uh you and zanti did, did, did a great job oh thank you so, so much. much zanti's great
4: yeah and uh, Allegra clark yeah she's and all good, yes. she, just, she did a great yeah. job too great antagonist yeah. to uh to haruko
3: well cast really yeah yeah and of course uh more recently you've been voicing Mitsuki in a Lord's House yes how, did, how does it feel to uh, you voicing this character in, this new character in an um, iconic franchise well
4: I came up as uh, I came up on Naruto like I loved reading the mangas I was super into it when it first released it was magic yeah. and then I joined anime and I thought oh that's it it's too late I'm done There's they're done with Naruto they're not gonna dub anymore <laughs> and then I somehow snuck in Naruto the last that final movie uh, and I was like oh I got in right at the end well I guess <laughs> I made it and then uh, a few months later they put me in Boruto so I went oh man I really am here so crazy you know 60 70 something episodes later it's 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 wild that this this thing that they thought might be just sort of a short spin-off uh-huh. it is now you know almost gonna be a hundred episodes
3: long it's uh-huh. crazy So Mitsuki is a bit of an interesting charm, like basically a clone of uh, Descendant, so to speak of Orochimaru. Sure, sure. He has quite the fascination for Boruto in this class, so
4: what do you you feel about that? I still don't know yet what the fascination is, I'm not quite sure, I think that's a big secret of the series, what exactly does that, what exactly does all of that mean? Why does he view uh, Boruto as his son, uh, as the S-U-N's son? Uh, why, wh- what are all of these uh, secret motivations that he has? And I think they'll unfold as the story continues. But up to this point, I really don't know. All I can do is sort of
3: play along with uh, his fascination. Right, and about two weeks ago from this interview, at from, least uh, from the time of this interview, uh, we just saw the episode where Nitsuki was assigned to join forces with Borto and Sarda in the new squad seven. Like Yeah. How of course uh Sarda was not amused that, he had, that she has to work with board, so... Of course. <laughs> but Mitsuki like, eh, is like, I like both of you. <laughs> of course. Was... You knew they were going to
4: end up being in a squad together yeah. all along <laughs> anyway. Um, dude, Squad 7's iconic. Uh, I, I, I can't believe that I'm actually in that. So uh, I, think, uh, I think that's a really good thing.
3: Yeah. Yep. All right. Uh, you're telling me to wrap this up and do okay. signing oh so. I do. One, one last thing? Of uh, course. That's what we're here for. Uh-huh. How Anything else you'd like to say to the fans before we head out?
4: Yes, thank you. Thank you for watching anime on Toonami. It's, a, it's an iconic platform and we need more people watching it uh, as, as TV changes and shifts and more things become available online. So uh, I'll always be a fan of Toonami and I'm so thankful that you guys are fans of Toonami. And no matter where you watch your anime, we appreciate it if you watch it in English, Japanese, whatever you prefer. Thank you for supporting supporting the art form and thank you for being great fans.